0: Welcome to Hearts and Other Sex Parts,
1: a podcast about redefining yourself and your relationships.
0: This is a safer space for the LGBTQ community, people of color, all genders, and gender nonconforming individuals, differently abled people, and all relationship
1: types. These discussions will be strictly body and sex positive. We're your queer hosts. I'm Keely C. Helmick, licensed professional counselor. I'm Jay, a resident queer moan sex ambassador. We'd like to state that our pronouns are she, her. For every guest we have on the show, we will introduce their pronouns as well. And at the end of every podcast, as you know, we will close with a
0: poem that goes with the theme of the show. Today, we are sitting with the maven of sexual satisfaction, Ava Blake, who is a sexological body worker and somatic sex educator. She's certified through the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. Ava, Eva, thank you for being with us today.
2: Thanks for
1: having me. Yeah, it's great. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do and what
2: led you to this career? Absolutely. I would love to. So I work with ambitious people who are ready to ditch shame in the bedroom and own their sexual power without apology so that they can create meaningful and fulfilling relationships and finally contribute their gifts to the world with the confidence and joy that comes with trusting their body and their desire. And so that means that for the last 10 years, I have been facilitating uh, hands-on, body-based sex education classes, workshops, and retreats. I teach erotic and emotional skills to folks who want to have more freedom and joy and play in their erotic play. And I've been doing that in really small groups, one-on-one, in private, you know, VIP coaching, but also in groups that are very, very large, like 500. Um, wow. So it's a real joy to be able to work with small groups of people and really, really large groups. So I got into this work because um, I, well, I've always been fascinated with sexuality and with the body, and also always been confused by why in our culture we elevate the thinking over the feeling and Mm -hmm. diminish the sacred relationship that we ought to have with our bodies and with the earth in general. Uh, And specifically how I wound up here was that um, I went to a women's college and I was surrounded by really incredible, beautiful Talented women who, um, in conversation with, I was consistently hearing that they were having terrible sexual experiences. Terrible, boring, not so good, um, obligatory, uh, and forced. And uh, I was really curious about that. And when I started having my own sexual experiences, I started having the same kinds of experiences myself, boring, um, obligatory, uh, feeling like I had a duty to do something for somebody else and not having the skills to have a different kind of experience. And uh, you know, just taking my own natural curiosity about like, how much pleasure can I have? And what does the body do? And what happens when you get in a room full of people, and they're actually consciously exploring their sexuality, uh, combined with why do we have to keep doing the same thing that we're doing? And can we have a different experience? Um, you know, those kinds of ideas brought me into a place of really intentionally paying attention to my own experience and wanting so badly to have my own different kind of experience to really fall in love with myself uh, was the first big side effect of wanting to have really good sex. And when I totally fell in love with myself, I thought we all need to have this. How is it possible for us all to have this?
1: So through your own personal experience, that led you to want to help people to experience that as well.
2: Absolutely. And the other part was that um, I was in a situation, I was in my own workshop, I was doing it for myself, and there was just a moment where um, I didn't know what was going to come next, but I knew that I was the perfect right person in the exact right spot at the exact right time. Have you ever had one of those kinds of experiences? Yeah.
1: Very rarely, but yes.
2: Okay, so then if it's very rare, you know how important it is. Yes. Right? So I had that moment. Mm-hmm. And that moment um, opened up a new chapter for me to say, maybe this is your work. Yeah. I mean, it's synchronicity.
1: Yeah. It all comes together. And you're like, wait, how do I not do this? Magic, Yeah.
2: Um, divinity. You know, the universal channel. Like, woo. Whatever kind of word you want to <laughs> use. Yeah, it was something really special. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what really brought me into a deeper conversation of how do I actually participate in this work at a bigger level?
0: Nice. So you, your tagline is liberating desire. Yeah. How do you define liberating desire? What is the goal in the work that you do?
2: Great question. Uh, The goal is to be free in your own skin is to be free and unashamed in your own skin, in your own body, and in the natural curiosities that you have as a human animal. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. I like that.
1: (laughs) Nice, simple definition. That is helpful, yes. Because so many people have such a hard time even being in their body, let alone Mm -hmm. having those healthy, happy feelings of desire and self-worth and so I have to ask, cause I'm super curious, yeah. uh, being the type of work that you do, is there any controversy and what are you willing to share that, you know, has created any kind of controversy?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I am a, um, hands-on practitioner. That means that, um, you know, I am situated in a place in the sexuality professional spectrum, Um, where I feel like it's kind of in the middle. Um, In other words, on one side, uh, there are sex therapists who don't touch their clients, and some sex therapists I've talked to, they don't even hug their clients when they leave from the end of a session, that there are really strict rules around touch or not touch.
1: Yeah, definitely, ethically, yep, part of our license. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Right, you don't want to
2: lose your license, so you don't touch, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right? And oftentimes, there are many therapists that I've talked to, and they don't even really talk about their own personal experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another big rule, Right? Exactly. And then on the very far end of the other side of the spectrum are folks who are doing full service escort, sex surrogacy, dancing, stripping, who are also providing an amazing service. Um, and they're using their full body and their full nudity. And they may or may not be sharing something, uh, their emotional experience with their clients. So for me, where I put myself in the somatic work and as a sexological body worker is where I use my hands and my body and my own personal story as it is um, necessary and as it really helps the client understand what their possibilities are, what else is out there, and um, how they can relate and connect with somebody else. Because part of what we struggle with in our sexuality is feeling like we're going to be disconnected from another human being. Yeah. That we're not the same as other people. That we're different somehow. So we need to actually have moments where we can connect with, oh, you've had this experience like me. Okay. So then I'm not alone. There's nothing wrong with me. And that's really valuable. So I offer that through telling my own personal stories in my work. So I feel, feel like I'm really kind of in the middle of this. Now, to answer your question about controversy, um, the challenge here is, you know, being able to explain to folks that doing hands-on work does not mean that I'm having sex with my clients. <laughs> I'm not, you know, um, I don't make out with my clients to help folks understand that hands-on doesn't necessarily mean that we're even doing "quote unquote" sexual things. It might be that I I hold my clients while they cry or um, we cuddle together, or I, I teach a lot of people how to shake hands and give hugs, <laughs> especially men, yeah. because there's so much anxiety about how we use our bodies in connection with somebody else.
1: Well, that vulnerability, especially as you mentioned, you know, with men as they develop and are taught, that vulnerability is not allowed, and so yeah. then where do they have that avenue to learn that exploration in a healthy and safe way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the big part of what I do is around practice. So we talk about sexuality a lot and talk about specifics of body function and desire and fantasy and how we talk about things with other people. Um, But then we actually practice it because you learn sex by doing it. But most people, um, when they feel like they're having a sexual problem, they focus it on the genitals or intercourse. And yet there are 10,000 things that happen before you get to genitals and intercourse. And if there's a struggle with genitals and intercourse, I guarantee you that there are roadblocks that before you get there. And so the work that I'm doing is really about helping folks get a really holistic and loving and tender approach to all of the 10,000 things, including the intercourse and the genitals and all the stuff that happens after that. Um, So that we can really take a look at sexuality as something that happens in every part of our life, even in this conversation here, Mm -hmm. right? As we make connection and look each other in the eyes, um, that it's not just something that happens in the bedroom in this isolated space. So practice is a really big part of what I do. And so it's breaking down the experience of intimacy and learning how to build intimacy with another person and build the connection and create it uh, and be able to replicate that over and over again. So this,
0: we obviously live in a culture of various types of shame. Yeah. Um, How does our culture of shame, specifically body shame, as you mentioned, influence our ability to uh, liberate our sexual
2: desire? So the way that shame um, operates in our system is when we, um, you know, Brene Brown has done a lot of amazing work around shame. When we experience shame, it is both biography and biology. So the biography, the inner talk is there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. You're going to leave me. I'm going to lose my partnership. I'm going to lose the life that I have with this person. They won't like me. They won't want to be with me anymore. I'm a terrible person. There's something wrong with me. We could go on and on, but those are, that's the gist of it, right? The next thing that happens is we literally fold in on ourselves. The chest, chest collapses. The shoulders curl forward. We can't make eye contact anymore. We get tunnel vision. We get dry mouth. We want to run away. So how does shame affect us? We collapse, we fall apart, we, we, we lose the, um, the ability to connect with somebody. So when that happens in our, in our sex life, even if we're just talking about it, um, it really isolates us. And in, a, and in this culture that is so sex neg- negative, um, and yet so sexually obsessed and right. objectifying.
1: So confusing.
2: So confusing that most of us um, don't have um, the kind of social networks where we can go to our friend and say, hey, I'm having this struggle. So we feel even more isolated. That's really different than saying like, um, you know, I, I, I didn't win the baseball game. You know, you saw that we were all out there together, you know, or, um, you know, I, I didn't get the promotion that I wanted. Right. We're actually struggling with something much more intimate. And so the, there's this like double isolation we, we, we feel isolated in general and then we don't have a support network to access to be able to... Um, uh you know, have that empathy that we really need around sexual shame. And the other thing is that it starts to impact us in all the other places in our life, right? If we can't get it up, for example, or we, um, you know, are struggling with our gender or our body doesn't match who we believe that we are, who we see in the mirror, um, or, you know, we have this like story of I'm not queer enough, I'm not trans enough, I'm not rich enough, right? Like that, that those stories that we have, um, about our bodies then start to impact how we show up at work, how we show up in our friendships, how we show up in, in our leadership in the world. Um, and we feel what I have noticed in myself. And when I talk to other people is that we're just a little bit smaller than we want to be. Right. We want to be big and we want to be confident and we want to be able to like really offer ourselves and our our service to the world um, and our big, unique, amazing gift. Uh, And we have to we have to like fight for it in some ways because we're fighting for uh, dignity in our own skin right? So those things are really interconnected, right? The sexual shame that we feel, the like dignity we have to fight for, depending on our body or our identity, especially if we're more marginalized and away from centers of institutional power, and then how that shows up in the way that we offer ourselves to the world. And is that when you talk about
1: on your website about internalized shame, is that what you're referring to and what you just talked about with that shame, that internal, like you keep it to yourself, that isolation?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and also some other version of, um, you know, it's not just I'm not good enough, but I'm not as good as you. You are better than me. You have something that I don't have. That, therefore, that means that there's something wrong with me. I hear this a lot.
1: So the comparison, that yeah. comparison really feeds into that deepening that shame.
2: Right. Because if we can't talk about it, then if, if we have a culture where we can't talk about it, then there's no, there's no way that I would actually go to you and, and fact check this. hmm and be like, so really, I'm perceiving you to have this amazing sex life, and amazing career. Is this really true? Because Facebook
1: tells me so.
2: I know, right? Your Instagram <laughs> filter like really tells me that your life is better than mine. Uh,
1: so then you internalize it and then it creates all this havoc on your relationships and your sex life and not being able to connect. And then that's where, that's where they come and see you.
2: yeah. They might come and see me in crisis. They might also come and see me because they've done a whole lot of work with other people, other therapists and talk therapists or other kind of um, physical therapists and they just can't break through this next level. I get a lot of that, especially yeah. with women around um, orgasm, reaching, being able to reach orgasm, being able to get through multiple orgasms, trying to figure out how to um, you know, get the G-spot stimulation that they really desire. Um, I've worked with... Uh, um, a couple of trans women who have gone through a medical process, and um, I've seen them at the beginning, and then in the middle, and, you know, ongoing, and, and, you know, really about, like, how do I live in this body, and in this new identity? How do I navigate these new boundaries? How do I, um, how do I explore sexuality? How do I, reach orgasm um how do i uh make peace with my body now that it looks different but it still doesn't look like yours because i have scars right right how do i attend to the scars you know how do i get through the the pain of masturbating and like i cry during masturbation i mean this is one of the biggest topics that i talk about with um virtually all of my clients is how do i move through the sadness and the grief that i feel when i'm trying to engage in pleasure yeah and you brought up um you know your work with um cuz i'm just i'm going
0: to put it out there obviously we're three cisgendered white women so we have dealt with some levels of body shame it's likely not near to the extent that differently abled or people of color face let alone trans or queer people of color So with that, um, we're not trying to speak from a place of personal experience, but from your experience in coaching uh, um, people who do not fit the same description or identity as you, um, from your training, what are the additional struggles that people outside that that the able-bodied, cis, white, heteronormative culture face as it relates to body shame and liberating their sexuality?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that I have uh, scene, um, is that, and this is broad brushstrokes cause we just have a little bit of time here, but right. <clears throat> the further we are away from centers of institutional power, the more likelihood that we, uh, ex- have experienced more trauma in our life and the more trauma that we've experienced. Um, unfortunately th- the more marginalized that we are, the less access we have to healing, to help, to, um, the resources that we need. Right. So, You know, part of what I see is that um, that that compounds that shame that we were talking about earlier, right? Because it just feels like the world is against me. Mm -hmm. You know, and even when I'm working with someone individually, that um, when someone is different than me, they don't look like me. um, You know, women of color or um, trans women, for example. That um, we need to spend a little bit more time actually building trust is this a person that I can trust? Will she get me, right? So a lot of what we do when we're talking about shame and we're trying to unravel shame um, is that we, we need to know that the person that's with us actually really gets us. And so in this practice that I'm in, I told you a big part of what we do is practice and for me to really show up, is that I'm able to really meet my clients in a way that helps them um, have an experience of being seen, heard, and really, truly understood. And sometimes that means for me to say, I don't understand, or I haven't had this experience, and um, I want to understand more. We can go longer, we can talk about this as much as you want, and tell me, what is it that you think that you need?
1: So you're showing that vulnerability in that sentence you just said, really showing that vulnerability yeah. to build that trust, especially the extra needed trust for the different groups of people that we talked about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, I mean, because I work in the body, you know, our experience of oppression lives inside of us. And sometimes sometimes, when people um, hear that, that's like a huge relief, like, oh, so this all of this weight that I feel like I'm carrying is it's real. It's real. Yeah, yeah. It's not that something I'm making up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Like oppression actually changes our DNA.
0: Yeah, I'm freaking crying right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> because it's real. Right? Yeah. So to unpack that, we go slow. We mm-hmm. go I go at the pace that my clients need. And so when I'm teaching in groups, I try to make as much space as possible for um, a variety of experiences and variety of coping mechanisms while still being able to continue to move forward so that we can unravel what is in us. And we have to do that with the body. We have to be able to move our bodies um, in ways that allow us to unravel the um, the anxiety and the emotional information that's tied up inside of us. And That may sound really vague and woo-woo. I totally get it. So let me say it another way is that I personally believe that our pelvis is like our psychic garbage can. You know, we take in most of our information through our face, our eyes, our nose, our mouth, our ears. We sense things up here in our head and then it goes down our torso and gets digested and then we... Let it all out through our pelvis, right? We, um, we bleed if we menstruate, we come, we piss, we poop, right? It comes out, right? But what do we do with all the psychic garbage that we take in into our mind? How do we digest it? We don't right? Unless we're really like trying to unpack it. And so when I work with folks around sexuality, sometimes they come in and they're like, I'm having a sexual function problem. I can't reach an orgasm. And then we start to really do deeper work. We do touch work. We really start to explore the pelvis. And then we find a ton of grief and shame and anxiety and stuff about childbirth and previous relationships and uh, all, all kinds of things because it's located here in the bowl of our pelvis, so we, so we have to unpack it. And that's really what the sexological body work is, is a modality that, um, where I get to use my hands to really facilitate an opening for my clients so that they can release the stuff that we're all carrying and be able to have a really safe place to do it where sexuality is honored, explored, and praised and celebrated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as is all of the emotional stuff that comes with it.
1: That sounds wonderful. Let's let's start doing that. How are we going to do that, Jay? <laughs> <laughs>
0: body positive is a good way to start. Body
1: positive. Um, yeah, starting from the beginning.
0: Yeah, the body positive if, if movement is still kind of considered radical, which is sad because it should be how how we are. But the the body positive philosophy is that all bodies are good bodies and that everyone deserves self-love. Uh, which sounds like a lot of the work that you do. And it's the idea that we focus on being happy and healthy instead of striving for what other people perceive as happy mm-hmm. and healthy as we were talking about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the body positive mentality contribute to the sexual liberation? Yeah.
2: So I personally believe that for all of the um, problems that we have, that we have the solutions inside of us, and, you know, I personally believe that what, we're, what I'm doing in this somatic practice is helping you integrate the, uh, the intellect of your mind with the wisdom of your body. I, I'm, I might teach you some new techniques or some new skills. I might say something that's like super smart. Um, and it's really just to provide an avenue for you to connect deeper to your own reality, your own body, your own experience, your own innate wisdom, your own glory. And so um, I'm always, you know, trying to offer, but really listening and following the leadership that you give me when I'm working with you, especially one-on-one. And, you know, in group settings, when, uh, you know, I might be just lecturing, right, I'm really just trying to help folks you know, pay attention, just listen to your body. It's going to, your body is going to tell you what it needs, right? Hunger, thirst are two really big, uh, messages, right? But your body's also going to tell you things when you're feeling ill or when you're feeling like you are getting turned on or when you're curious or when you're repelled. Uh, and oftentimes we, we, we drive over that information, right? Because we've been trained to do that. We've been trained to not listen to our boundaries. Ignore our bodies. Exactly. So you know, when I'm thinking about body positivity, you know, it's it's really about um, how can I create an environment where um, you can listen deeply to your body and tell me what it's saying, tell me what it needs, tell me, uh, and and tell yourself, right, so that you can have more more pleasure, more confidence, more freedom, more solidity uh, in your own personal experience. So with that, let's talk
0: about your workshops. Um, Your workshops say clothing optional hands-off. Yeah. Uh, You briefly mentioned some of the different types of workshops, but uh, what different types of workshops uh, do you offer Mm -hmm. and what are the objectives in these
2: classes? So I do um, a couple of different um, anatomy and physiology lectures. So I do a slideshows for um, the different types of genitalia for a penis, for a butthole and for a vagina. Nice. Um, you know, the, these are not uh, just for specific genders, they're open to everyone and um, it's not gendered language. It is if you have two holes, you have a urethra and a butthole, we're going to talk about that today. And if you have a urethra, a vagina and a butthole, we're going to talk about that today. Um, and and then we talk about, uh, you know, I, I demonstrate touch and um, how to go slow and how to explore these parts of the body so that you can you can have more pleasure, you can connect deeper with your partner, you can talk about what's working and what's not working. Um, and those I, I do, you know, pretty often. They're just two and a half like hour classes. Um, and then I have uh, a, a half day workshop called uh, Body Basics for and Boundaries, and this is a really fun one because this is really about how to listen to your body, to um, pay attention to the moments when something shifts inside of you so that you can learn how to pause and or stop an interaction. And that you can do that with, with confidence and that you can do that without having to take care of somebody else's emotional experience because that's where we get in trouble. That's where we leave our own body and our own wisdom and we project onto the other person and we start taking care of somebody else who doesn't need us to take care of them.
1: Oh, my gosh. I see that so much in relationships where it's where the the dynamic, the struggle is that own your stuff. Take care of yourself. Stop trying to take care of yeah, the other person. Right. Stop trying to control them. Yes.
2: And if you take care of you, you give somebody else enough space for them to take care of them. And then we're all good. And then. And yeah. And then we're all good. And maybe you decide that that relationship doesn't work anymore when you start getting really true to who you are and what you need. Um, Or maybe it it, it gets even more powerful, more compelling, more dynamic, more fulfilling, right? But we don't know that. I don't know that if I keep trying to take care of you, right? Um, So that's one of the pieces that we do uh, in that workshop. And then then I have... uh, a um, six-week virtual class that I uh, do with women called "Maximize Your Pleasure," and that is all about orgasm and about the body, and and it's also really about looking into um, the stories that we tell about sexuality and about our bodies and how we can untangle that, uh, getting really clear about the context in which we have great sex and the context in which we don't so that you can really learn to understand your sexuality as multidimensional and also with many component parts. Because the truth is like when people come to me and we talk about sexuality, none of us need an entire makeover, right? It's not like when we start talking about your sex, like I need to take everything out of your sex closet and like throw away all your articles of clothes and then like fill it all up with new stuff. No, We just need to, like, tweak the stuff that's not working and, you know, get you some more uh, skills or tools so that you have a wider range of options. That's it. Smart. That's it. So that's what we do in, in in that work. And, you know, we do talk about trauma and shame and how it impacts the body. But mostly we're really focusing on once you understand some of those theoretical pieces, how can you create more pleasure? what are the, what are the exercises and the practices you can do to create more pleasure? Um, so I have that in uh, a virtual, uh, virtual realm. And that starts in August. And then um, there's also a three-day weekend that goes along with that uh, virtual class. And uh, that is the hands-on, clothing off, you know, totally experiential. We're going to do sex magic and, um, you know, taking our clothes off and really looking at our own bodies in the mirror and um, playing. And there is solo sex ritual there. And um, there are a lot of amazing components of you know, really breaking through the walls that have been standing uh, up for you uh, for a long time. And the amazing thing about doing that in a group is that uh, when we do it in a group, we hear our words through somebody else's mouth. Yeah. And the power of that means that when we see somebody else doing their work, we get healing from it. If and it releases the shame. Yeah, if we're paying attention we get something from seeing somebody else in their struggle when they're in a moment where they can have healing, when they can move through that, when they can break through that barrier of shame, right? Because then we're like, oh, I'm not alone. We get to do this together. We're in it together. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, you know, that, that is hands off. Uh, I mean, that's hands on, totally naked. Woohoo, we're having a really great time. You know, like imagine all the things that you want. They're, they're, you're probably right. And, uh, and then I have something else called um, uh, Liberating Desire Live, and that is a multi-day workshop. And um, that's really geared towards um, intimacy technology for relationships. And this is about um, how to communicate your desires, how to figure out what it is that you want, because if you don't know what it is that you want, how the hell are you going to get it? And being able to really clearly talk about it in ways that are... Um, fun they're powerful and they're really self-centered in a really positive way uh and also you know we can examine some of the other things like negotiating for sex play or sexual interaction and how to apologize and how to be responsible for your own self rather than somebody else Mm -hmm. Um, and those are things that you know unless you're really seeking out that information you don't get it right um you know in this work that i do uh I explain to people, you know, like I said earlier, you, you learn sex by doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are, uh, you know, a hundred different, um, careers or, or, or art or sport that you can do where you practice and you get a teacher and you get a mentor and you get a coach, but sexuality is not one of those in our culture. Right. Right. So, you know, what I'm trying to do is help people understand how they can retrain their body and retrain their mind so they can get exactly what they want. Cause I really want you and me to get exactly what we want.
1: Cause that what makes people happy. Totally. But also releasing that that shame. Back Absolutely. to that shame thing. Back
2: to the shame. Yeah. Because once we release it, but also, you know, shame comes up so often over and over again that it's just we're we're peeling the layer over and over and over again, right? The thing is that we need to have the tools to be able to recognize it, so that we don't get swept away by it and then get stuck in the black hole of it,
1: or continually triggered when you're connecting with someone sexually or in other exactly. ways in a relationship.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So having the, having the skill set and the tools to be able to recognize when it's happening and then unpack it keeps us from having to repeat it over and over again.
1: Ah, lovely.
2: This, <laughs> um,
0: I was going to say, this makes me curious. As you were going through this process for yourself, and even now, are there other, who has inspired you? Are there any other, like, writers or uh, people that have really influenced you and had an impact throughout this?
2: Yeah, so Brene Brown's work has definitely had an impact um, in this th- this realm of, um, talking about shame in really simple ways. She doesn't say much about sexuality, so that's the missing component there. Um, and some of the other people who've really, um, inspired me, uh, Joseph Kramer is the, basically the, the founder of sexological Bodywork, the father of, in many ways. Um, and his, um, you know, consistent, Persistent uh, focus on pleasure and practice has been invaluable because, you know, it helps us get grounded in being able to engage with sexuality in a way um, that doesn't have to be like the big game, right? You know, this like the 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 uh, metaphor of like sex being like the big game, right? Did you yeah, hit a home sport, run? The sport analogy. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Did you score a touchdown or whatever um, the like? Yeah. So. <clears throat> It's not. It's not about a big game, right? It's about a practice where we keep learning over and over again. And when we when we let ourselves approach this learning, um, then we actually have a, a bigger and wider capacity for more fun,
1: fun and learning and exploration. Yeah. And you know. The, it's adult play
2: it is absolutely adult play it is absolutely um Celeste and Danielle uh, out of San Francisco are also uh, two people who um, have inspired me in the past yeah
1: so Eva what new yeah. projects are or workshops are you working on right now
2: yeah so I told you about a couple of them yeah. um, here in July we're doing um, Uh, Body Basics for Bitching Boundaries Um, in August is the Maximize Your Pleasure uh, course Um, I'm I'm actually going to have two this year Um, so depending on what kind of body you have we're going to talk about different uh, topics in each one of those different uh, courses they're going to Coincide with each other. Um, the three-day uh, women's workshop will be um, in October. Liberating Desire Live, the intimacy technology for relationships, is going to be um, in November. Those are all things that I'm working on. Um, I've He's been mostly here in Portland. They're here in Portland, and awesome. actually, right here in this room where you're at, at Desire Studios. Um, Desire Studios, which is my, you know, private uh, uh, joy. right Uh it is uh it's it's where I work with clients individually and teach classes um and have my own personal play space as well so that's pretty fun um and you know I'm working on a book right now so all those things are keeping me really busy uh you know and and I have my own relationships and curiosities as well
1: do we get to hear are you telling anyone like a tidbit about the book yet or is that is it all top secret
2: um it's not top secret you know uh but it's all about everything that we've been talking about yeah, right now. It
1: encompasses yeah. your experiences in these years.
2: Absolutely, and and you know it's about it's about you know five key pieces. You know, if you want to really liberate your desire, there are five key pieces: how you do gratitude, how you appreciate and celebrate yourself, uh, what your desire is, knowing it and being able to speak about it and communicate it effectively in the world, uh, figuring out what your beliefs are and the messages that you have you know, consumed from, uh, earlier in your life and what you are choosing to take with you, um, how you understand how trauma and shame affects you and affects your sexuality so that you can, uh, like we were saying, not do it over and over again and get the healing that you need and how to be and live in your body. Now, those are very, very simplified. And honestly, I could write a book about every single one of those pieces, but let's just start with just naming that that's what they are for now. Yeah.
1: Ooh. Well, I look forward to when you get when you get it out there. Oh yeah, totally.
2: <laughs> I'll put it on my Instagram for you.
0: <laughs> so if uh, if we could do a send off, what is kind of one message or principle to live by that you would leave our listeners with?
2: Yeah, one principle to live by. Um, well, I'm I'm gonna say that there's two. All right, there's two. That's okay, two works. There's two. Um, but they live right side by side next to each other. Um, one is practice, which is uh, go, go, into, go into your sex as practice, right? It's not the end game, right? You get another chance tomorrow or the next day. And whether that's sex with somebody else or sex with yourself, you still get to practice. And after you practice and after you have your experience, praise. Like celebrate the yes. thing that you did that was fun, that was awesome. Even if it was, I didn't cry this time
0: mm-hmm. or
2: um, I stayed present the entire time. Like that's something to celebrate. Right. And the more that we celebrate those uh, little milestones, the more that we can really recognize how far we've come and we can really celebrate our sexuality as something that is uh, continually unfolding and rich and valuable for us.
1: Wow, Eva, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. So to learn more about Eva and her workshops, visit www.LiberatingDesire.com. She's on Instagram as well as Facebook as Eva Blake, Liberating Desire.
0: The poem we are featuring for this segment is a spoken word poem called The Body Is Not an Apology by poet, activist, and educator Sonia Renee Taylor. Since writing this poem, Sonia has established and is founder of the digital media and education company called The Body Is Not an Apology. Rereading this poem would not do it justice, so we would like to play a clip of Sonia herself reciting the poem. Take a listen. The
3: Body Is Not an Apology. Let it not be forget-me-not fixed to mattress when night threatens to leave the room empty as the belly of a crow. The body is not an apology. Do not present it as disassembled rifle when he is yet to prove himself more than common intruder. The body is not an apology. Let it not be common as oil, ash, or toilet. Let it not be small as gravel, stain, or teeth. Let it not be mountain when it is sand. Let it not be ocean when it is grass. Let it not be shaken, flattened, or raised in contrition. The body is not an apology. Do not present the body as communion, confession. Do not ask for it to be pardoned as criminal. The body is not a crime, is not a gun, is not a lost set of keys, a wrong number dialed. It is not the orange burst of blood to shame white dresses. The body is not an apology. It is not the unintended granule of bone beneath will. The body is not kill, is not unkempt car, is not a forgotten appointment, do not speak it vulgar. The body is not soiled, is not filth to be forgiven. The body is not an apology. It is not a father's backhand. It's not mother's dinner late again, wrecked jaw howl. It is not the drunken sorcery of contorting steel round tree. The body is not calamity. The body is not a math test. The body is not a wrong answer. The body is not a failed class. You are not failing. The body is not an apology. It is not a cavity. It's not a hole to be filled, to be yanked out. It's not a broken thing to be mended, be tossed. The body is not prison, is not sentenced to be served, is not pavement, is not prayer do not give the body as gift only receive it as such the body is not to be prayed for is to be prayed to so for the evermore tortile 10th grade knows hallelujah for the shower song throat that crackles like a grandfather's Victrola, hallelujah, for the spine that never healed, for the lambent heart that didn't either, hallelujah, for the sloping pulp of back, hip, belly, hosanna for the errant hairs that rove the face like a pack of wild wolves, hosanna for the parts we have endeavored to excise, blessed be the cancer, the palsy, the womb that opens like a trap door, praise the body in its black jack magic even in this for the razor wire mouth for the sweet God ribbon within it praise for the mistake that never was praise for the bend twist fall and rise again fall and rise again for the raising like an obstinate Christ for the salvation of a body that will bend like a baptismal bowl for those who will worship at the lip of this sanctuary praise the body for the body is not an apology the body is deity. The body is God. The body is God. The only righteous love that will never need. Repent.
1: And that's a wrap for today. Remember to just subscribe to our podcast, Hearts and Other Sex Parts, on iTunes and SoundCloud. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Hearts and Other Sex Parts. Feel free to write us feedback or questions by direct messaging our Instagram or Facebook pages or emailing us at Parts at gmail.com. Also, if you want to support our podcast
0: and educational resources, which we would love, please go to our gofundme.com and Find Our Hearts and Other Sex Parts donation page, which is also linked in our Facebook
1: bio. We ask our listeners to donate $1 a month if you can.
0: Thanks for listening. Your hosts encourage you to stay open, and remember, self-love is the best love.